Let's do it, man. We're at, we're at that, thank you for that, Jax. We're at that exciting stage. First of all, congratulate yourself. If you are at that stage where you can actually say, okay, I've got some money to put to work now. Um, Jax, you spoke about some of the asset classes. Um, let's go into a bit more detail about what that looks like. Yeah, so um, five different asset classes. Uh, the first one I'll speak of is equities. Um, equities, also known as stocks and shares, um, is one of the most, if not the most popular asset class. Um, and the way to understand it is essentially what you'll be doing here is you will be putting your money to work by investing in businesses, but not just any business. You are investing what we call a public business. So for a business to become public, um, they would have had to undergo a certain process and um, a certain analysis. They might have to be a certain size. Um, they would have been trading for a specific amount of time, which means they've been around for a specific amount of time before they become public. You can invest in these companies, especially nowadays, very cheaply and very easily. And as these companies grow, as these companies generate more income and generate more cash flow, you partake in this. You can partake by earning some of the income coming back to you in the form of dividends. And also when you buy shares in these companies and these companies grow and become bigger and better, you can sell um, the shares in, in these companies in the future for a much higher price which we call a capital gain. So you can earn a return by investing in these businesses very easily, um, with small amounts of money, by the way, and obviously grow your money. The second asset class is uh, what we call fixed income, which is usually also known as bonds. So bonds is a way for you to kind of borrow your money. So equities, as I said earlier, stocks and shares, is actually uh, buying shares and becoming a part owner of that business, hence the term equity. But bonds or, or fixed income is a way for you to borrow money to these businesses. And in return, they pay you what we call a coupon, which is basically an interest. They pay you interest for a specific amount of time. And at the end of the designated time, which will be on the contract, which is the bond, they'll pay your money back. So it is a way to earn a better interest on your money than what you would get in a bank because essentially you are taking a bit of risk. That is what investing is. Investing is all about taking a higher level of risk than you would have by just keeping your money in the bank for a return that you can somewhat hopefully predict. And so bonds um, tend to do this for you as well. So you can lend to bigger companies called corporate bonds or corporations. You can even lend to the, the government. So you've probably heard of government bonds, which in the UK we call gilts. Um, and in the US, we tend to call them treasury bills. Um, so that's the second asset class. The third asset class is one that's quite popular and is essentially real estate, also known, especially in the UK, as property. Now, where what, what property um, has different to uh, stocks and shares um, and, and bonds is property is a tangible asset. It's bricks and mortar. It's something that you can touch, something that you can feel, and it's not really hard to understand. Historically, people didn't touch stocks and shares or bonds because they were harder to understand and they found it harder to access. But with bricks and mortar, you do not have to think too hard to understand that if you own a piece of real estate, you can either sell that piece of real estate in the future for a higher price or you can rent it out and earn an income. So real estate, especially in the UK, is a very, very popular way for many people to start investing. 
people start investing through different ways, um, mainly through what we call a buy-to-let, where you um, go and get, you can get a mortgage, but essentially what you're doing is you're buying a property with the intention of renting it out. So that's one of the popular ways to invest in the UK, real estate. There are other ways to invest in real estate slash property as well. You can actually invest in equities that focus on real estate. So that's kind of crossing two different asset classes. These are called REITs, um, and there are also property funds. We'll talk about these in a bit more detail, Peter, potentially, where you can actually buy assets that have a wide range of different asset classes within that one asset as well. So that's the third asset class, property slash real estate. The fourth asset class is one that kind of captures the rest that do not fit in the first three. The fourth asset class is called alternatives. I'm going to clue this in its name. Alternatives are essentially um, things such as commodities. So commodities is one of the kind of subsections under alternatives. And commodities, of course, we're talking about things like gold. We're talking about things like oil. Um, even fine arts can fit under commodities. And there are other assets as well, like private equity, like venture capital, um, things such as cryptocurrencies, which is a very popular way of investing nowadays. All of these will probably sit under alternatives. What's great about alternatives? They, they usually um, come with specific characteristics, but they can be more risky. They can be more risky as standalone investments. However, when you add alternatives, to a well-diversified portfolio, it usually brings about a better level of diversification. That's the fourth asset class. Uh, sorry, asset class. The fifth asset class is cash. So cash has to be given an asset class, cash or cash equivalents, uh, which are basically assets um, that don't really um, require any level of risk. But of course, if you have cash in a bank, you earn a return. And sometimes even government bonds which usually will sit under fixed income because they're so, um, there's, there's, there's got such a minimal risk. Sometimes they even sit under cash. So those are the five asset classes. And of course, um, one thing I would allude to, almost every asset will fit under one of these five. Hmm. Um, sometimes you, you can fit them in different places, but even investing in your own business, which is something that I would also add within the equities, because if you own your own business, you are a shareholder. You are mm. you just own the whole business, or you can own half the business with friends or a business partner, etc. Wow, that was absolutely brilliant, Jax. Thank you so much for taking the time to walk our listeners um, through that as well in such a simple but effective uh, way. Really appreciate that, bro. Yeah, so thanks, Jack. So what I was going to say, Jax, I'm just going to I bet I guess go backwards before we actually start talking about. Um, you know, um, the different asset classes and how we should allocate our money into that and how we can work towards financial freedom, right? Um, let's take a step back. When we talk about all of the stages that we've spoken about, you know, um, paying off debt, saving, building emergency fund, et cetera, and getting a nice saving pot, we always talk on woke finance. There's a couple of things that you should always be uh, doing with your money. One is enjoying your money. Um, whether this is on experiences, holidays, whatever you do to enjoy your money. The other is saving your money slash investing. And the other one is giving your money. We, this is not in no order of priority or anything like that, but we always feel that we should be doing these things with our with our money. How 
how does one get that balance right? You know, if someone's in, in, in debt, should they be giving their money? Should they be enjoying their money? Um, or should they just be saving or so? But in your opinion, how does one actually balance the, the, the free? That's a very, very good question, Peter. Um, and I think the starting point goes back into the budget and really sitting down and really understanding where you are in your, in your journey. Um, I think first you really have to understand what enjoying your money even looks like, for example. So, and I mean that from all angles. So for example, using myself as an example, when I, you know, became much more of a sophisticated investor, I realized that investing was also a hobby for me. It wasn't just something I was doing to build wealth for that kind of stuff, but you have to be a bit careful there. Um, and that's something I had to learn to say, Hey, investing, though it is a hobby, um, I can't just allocate money to that and say that that's my fun money you know so what i then looked at is to be you know brutally honest with myself and say what do i really enjoy outside of personal finance and i realized i enjoy experiences um and so for example i allocate a minimum of 10 percent of my income to to fun stuff for experiences whether that's uh you know going out with my with my lady whether that's spending time with my friends whether that's buying something that i really like I think it's important because you don't want to kind of become too frustrated with your personal finance journey because then what happens is you give up. If you find that you're not spending your money and enjoying your or the fruits of your labor, you end up giving up. So that's really important. Um, you can follow some principles. So for example, um, I'm a Christian and so um, I've learned about tithing. Um, and so, you know, if you've, you know, learned about tithing, you're first told. Um, to follow, I think it was Abraham's um, idea of doing 10%. And you don't necessarily have to do 10%, um, but I think it's very important to um, get into good practice of giving away some of your money. Because what that does for your mindset, one is amazing, but true, truly and well and true, um, there is something very spiritual about giving. Um, you know, you, 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 it's better to give than to receive, it says. And so I would always allocate a pretty decent percentage of my income to give away. Um, and it doesn't have to be, for example, to the church, who, you know, if you're a Christian like me, that's what you would do. But if you believe in charitable causes, then you can do that as well. So I think it's important. I think just to answer your question, Peter, I think I've drifted away a bit, but to really answer your question, it really comes down to sitting down and understanding your personal circumstance. Sometimes in life, sometimes you have to sacrifice. Sometimes when you see that you are in debt and that debt is eating you from the inside, you sometimes have to sacrifice what you call fun because it's no longer fun when you're in debt. You can't have what we call extreme fun <laughs> when the opposite is happening to you, causing you to be distressed and depressed. What that means is I would say it's important to sacrifice for a short period of time. Be very intentional for that very short period of time um, to really, really set your mind up to really, for example, attack debt as aggressively as possible, knowing that there will come a time where that debt will not be a strain on your personal finances and a strain on your mental health. So I think there are times where you can sacrifice. But ultimately, we want to get to a place where we can allocate our money effectively and efficiently. Some money going towards savings, some money going towards investing, giving some away and some enjoying. It really comes down to your personal circumstances. 
I love that, man. Thank you so much for that. Um, and no, I'm, I'm just in agreement, absolutely. And um, with everything you said, I mean, the power of giving and what that's done for my life as well, you know, being a cheerful giver and building particular um, characteristics within me um, and, and, and giving not to receive, giving for the sake of actually just giving, showing love, not expecting a return. Or anything. I mean, if you get something back, fantastic, but just developing that heart. So I like what you said about even, you know, contributing to whether it's a charitable cause that you're passionate about, because yes, you can read about the impact, but you're not actually expecting anything from them. It's just, yeah. And it, it just does something within you. And I think it's, you only know when you actually go through, if that makes sense. Um, and of course, all these things that we mentioned, um, giving, enjoying your money, savings, this is obviously within context, within what you can do in your current circumstances, of course. Um, but no, brilliant. Thanks for that, Jack. So let's, let's, let's you know, dive into the, the end of this journey. So when we take our minds back to the beginning of this episode, we we gave that young, that example of a young me, for example, just finished university in maybe a bit of overdraft debt, paid it off now. Um, I've built an emergency fund. I built some savings um, for smaller uh, short-term purchases. Then I start thinking about longer-term things, right? And where I can get my money to actually work for me and bring me back um, or grow in income or, each, or bring me back income. Let's talk a bit more about that, why we're doing it and what's like the end goal? What's the whole point of all of this? Yeah, so um, talking about kind of building that long-term mindset and why we even do it in the first place, there are many goals and objectives. Um, you know, I think sometimes the misunderstanding or the misinformation out there is you invest because you want to be rich. Um, yes, investing does come with riches um, if it's done properly and done over a long period of time. But it doesn't necessarily mean that's the intention of everybody who invests their money. Now, for me, um, a big part of investing comes from my kind of understanding of life. Um, and for me, life is all about being fruitful and multiplying whatever God has given me. Okay, so it's not even just about money, it's about my talents, it's about my gifts, um, it's about adding value to everything I come across, including my friends, including my, my family, including Peter, <laughs> including our audience. Um, and for me, that's why I have to invest. My money has to earn a return and do something in the world. When I invest, what I'm doing is I am providing capital. That's why we call it the financial markets or the capital markets to help a business to grow to, you know, by investing in this company, you're helping employees, you know? So investing is more than just earning a return and becoming rich. So I really wanted to get that bit out there um, for people to understand that, hey, investing is not just about gambling and or trying to make quick money. No, that's actually not at the heart of investing. But one of the main reasons why we also almost have to invest, apart from the fact that, of course, we want our money to be able to sustain um, its uh, purchasing power, by keeping at least in line with inflation is we want also to be able to not become dependent on money. And that's where the whole idea of being financially free or financially independent comes from. Being able to invest over a long period of time and consistently investing in good quality assets means at some stage, those assets will provide a return for you that can either supplement your income, your primary source of income, or can actually help you to retire comfortably and even retire early sometimes, right? 
you do not want to completely become dependent on one source of income. Now, I don't want to preach today, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, go read it if you okay. like to read the Bible. <laughs> but it talks about investing in seven ventures or even eight. Um, but essentially, if you actually assess the most wealthiest people on earth, what you find is almost all of them have at least seven streams of income. One of the easiest ways to generate an additional source of income where you do not consistently have to trade your time for money, which is what we tend to do with our um, employment, whether self-employment or, or whether we are employed, we can generate what some people like to call passive income, um, which again, supplements our additional income or can even replace it one day. One of the key reasons why most people re- invest is to be able to retire. We cannot in- work aggressively and consistently trade our time and energy and resources for money uh, forever. So you want to reach a stage in life where um, you do not have to work for money. I'm repeat myself a bit here, but it's very important where you do not have to work for money, but you can work on something that you're passionate about and you do not have to kind of compromise um, on what work you're doing because of income. And that's one of the reasons why people invest. That's why communities such as the FIRE community, and I know Peter, we spoke about this community in one of our episodes. They are very, very aggressive savers and investors because they want the ability to retire much younger than the standard retirement age. What you find is um, the retirement age is getting higher and higher, which is the the time where you can actually access certain funds, um, like state pension and that kind of stuff. And so the chances are you're going to be working for a very, very, very long time. And by the way, me and Peter, we both believe in working. We believe that we probably work until the day God calls us. We believe in adding value to the world until the day God calls us. But we want to do it our way. And so Mm. the way we can do that is if we invest early, if we invest wisely in the future, our investments will pay off and yield a return that can supplement or replace our income. Love it, man. Love it. And that pretty much sums up why we do what we do. <laughs> that was brilliant, man. Thanks for that, Jax, man. Um, this has literally been a journey um, from, as I said, you know, just starting out and then um, up until uh, towards the end, which is the end goal, so to speak, around having that financial independence. Um, I want to touch a bit more on some of those asset classes and even find out from you, you know, you spoke about those five different asset classes. How does one actually start um, investing, so to speak? And then, um, and I, we spoke about this in detail on some episodes, so you don't need to break her back with this but I actually want to hear from you Jess do you have particular I know yes it's good to have a diversified portfolio but do you have particular favorites and perhaps why yeah so when we get to the stage of actually investing um, it's also important to understand how to even begin how do we get our hands on these assets and you know where do we even store them and that kind of stuff Um, and so it's important to understand that there are investment accounts available to us Um, The ones that are the most popular are the ones that are quite tax efficient. So for example, uh, a pension account, um, the ones that you get at work. So if you are someone who is employed, you are over the ages of 22, you earn over 10,000 pounds and that kind of stuff. 
you are most likely going to be auto-enrolled into your company's pension scheme. Some people, in my humble opinion, quite, uh, don't want to use the word foolish, but it can be quite foolish, have opted out mm. without really understanding the main benefits of a pension and how just tax efficient it is and how much free money you're potentially getting um, or, or missing out on if you, if you actually you know, opt out. That doesn't mean you should never opt out. There are circumstances where you can, especially if you're desperate for cash. Um, but um, that is an investment account. Usually your, your workplace pension is usually, they take some money, um, usually uh, 5% of your salary. They add a minimum of 3% to make it 8%. And they usually invest that money in some sort of fund that will grow over the long term so that you can use that for retirement. So Jax, you also- what you're saying is that many people are investing and they may not even know it. Absolutely. I remember I spoke to a friend and I think I mentioned, I mentioned this in an episode and she told me, uh, Jax, I don't think investing is for me. I said, what? <laughs> what about it? I said, nah, Jax, I don't think investing is for me. I said, where do you think your pensions are? Mm. You know, your pensions are invested in usually some sort of mutual fund. So I, I guess what I figured out later, what she meant was trading and gambling wasn't for her. Mm. So she didn't really know the difference between trading and gambling and speculating and actual investing. We need to do an episode on that by itself, man, but that's one for the future. Exactly. So, um, so yes, a pension account. And by the way, you can also manage your own pensions. Um, you can open up your own private pensions and manage them yourself or outsource them to a different platform aside from your workplace to manage it on your behalf. These are usually called SIPs, S-I-P-P. This stands for a self-invested personal pension. Um, it also comes with its tax benefits as well. So these are accounts you can open, you can consider, you can buy stock shares, bonds, and uh, real estate and that kind of stuff through your pension. That's a very popular investment account and it's the most tax efficient. Then you have um, other accounts like your stocks and shares ISA, which is, uh, I think it's probably my favorite type of investment account because of its flexibility, where you can deposit money in there and then the money that's deposited, up to 20,000 pounds per tax year, by the way, um, as we're speaking, 2021, 2022, and 2022, 2023, you can deposit up to £20,000 within um, an ISA, an investment ISA, or different types of ISAs. It has to amount up to £20,000. And you can actually invest this money, and this money that's invested, that grows, you can earn dividends, interest, capital gains, it's not taxed. So that's another account that people should be considering. Then you've got even a lifetime ISA, which is an it's a fantastic product where you can uh, put money in. It serves two purposes. You can use it for two different things, either or or, or and. Um, you can deposit up to four thousand pounds every tax year, earn twenty five percent government bonus, so that's an extra one thousand if you exhaust the full allowance, and you can actually invest this money. Many people don't know you can invest this money. And you can grow this money and you can use some of this money as part of a deposit for your first home if you are, if you are a first-time buyer. Of course, it's important to understand the characteristics of all these financial products. At World Finance, we do not give financial advice, but we are in the business of education and providing guidance. So make sure everything I've said, stocks and shares, assets, pensions, SIPs, licenses, and that kind of stuff, read about it, understand it, listen to some of our episodes learn about it and see whether they fit your objectives. So those are, those are um, accounts that you definitely think people should be considering. Remember within these accounts, you can then invest in different asset classes. That's really important. 
Loving it, loving it, loving it, man. That was really useful. And most of, well, if not all of those things that you've involved, um, you've mentioned, we ha- do have separate episodes um, on these as well, whether it's ISAs, um, uh, pensions as well. So listeners, do make sure you check out some of our other episodes, man. We go into quite a bit of detail, whether it's just myself and Jax or with a guest speaker. So please do um, check that uh, out as well. We even speak about what uh, Jax mentioned before, the FIRE movement, F-I-R-E, on episode 56 and 57. So do take some time to digest that, um, play it, listen to it again if you haven't done so, and share it with others. But Jax, that was fantastic. Um, you know, let's say someone's gone through all of this journey, um, this journey, all of these different things, investing here, investing there, etc., to get to a particular stage. Underlying all of that, Jax, we want to make sure that stuff doesn't happen to our money. So we need to protect it. Do you want to talk a tiny bit about that or what I mean when it when I talk about actually protecting our assets? Yeah. When I, when I speak about building uh, a financial future, building wealth or building anything, Peter, what's the first thing you think about? You think about uh, some sort of foundation, right? So even before we go to protection, I wanted to talk about um, a different area, which is mm. actually becoming more educated. Mm. Um, so just a bit of a side note, I think listeners, as you go on this journey, immerse yourself with education because it is information and not just information, it's the conversion of the information that you get that really helps you on your journey. So I just wanted to mention that very quickly. But as we are building the foundations and we are growing this, this, this uh, empire of, of assets um, and growing our net worth and that kind of stuff, think of, um, think of a house that's been built over many, many, many years um, and then one day, there's a hurricane. There's a hurricane and it knocks the whole house down and all that you have built over this long period of time is washed away. Mm. That's what happens when you do not protect yourself. And you can protect yourself in different ways. Um, Of course, the education element is a way to protect yourself. Um, But I would say there are financial products that are there specifically to protect you. They were talking about things such as life insurance, income protection insurance. You've got um, different types of insurances that even protects your mortgage. You've got protection that protects you if you have a critical illness or you're diagnosed with some sort of critical illness. It's called critical illness um, insurance. These things are also important to protect you um, from financial mishap. Some of them protect you if you lose your income. So they're, you know, critical illness, income protection and uh, mortgage uh, payment protection and that kind of stuff. Those will protect you while you're still alive. So we call those life insurance. You've also got life assurance, um, which, you know, some insurances still sit under life assurance, which is where we talk about life insurance. Now, the, the reason why we call it assurance is because they say there are two things that are definitely going to happen in life. You pay taxes and you pass away. So the assurance <laughs> captures the passing away section. So these are protection when you pass away. If you've got children, if you've got a family that are dependent on you financially, you want to protect them. The last thing you they would want to experience or anything you would want them to experience in uh, a time of heartache 
is financial burdens, especially because they've lost, for example, their main um, breadwinner or, or, or financial supporter. So you always want to protect yourself um, and protect your family um, from things such as uh, things that you can't foresee sometimes and sometimes things that you can foresee. Um, and there's always um, other ways to protect yourself from even the tax man. So uh, probably, Peter, we will have to, we have, I don't think we've done an episode on this. And I think we definitely have to, we want to have an episode on inheritance tax planning. Mm. Um, you know, how you protect yourself from the tax man when you pass away. Um, you know, how to put your assets in a trust and that kind of stuff mm. is very important. So yeah, um, that's something you definitely want to do. While you're building wealth, and going through the journey and budgeting and you know growing and growing and becoming financially independent financially free don't forget to protect yourself Hmm. and your family love it man love it and there we have it man Hmm. getting your finances ready for 2022 and beyond jacks man um before we even just wrap up on one final thing i want to touch on which is just a question as a side note so to speak but um do you have anything else to add when you think of that journey um the journey is a long-term journey Hmm. it's a long-term journey and there are so many things out there so many financial products and we can sit and talk about them all day I think what's really important is to understand that it's a journey to, again, as I said earlier, really immerse yourself in the education, really um, understand your why. Of course, listen to what finance over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, you can join our community. Let me speak about that. Um, We do have a Patreon service. You can join our community. Um, become one of our accountability partners go on the journey with us because we are all on the journey even though me and peter started this uh, a while back we are still on the journey we're, we're quite young i'm 31 peter you're th- peter your birthday is coming soon uh, leave me out man. Leave me. <laughs> <laughs> i just realized the date um so you know we're still very much young uh, men on the journey and we are here to take you on the journey with us you know um, even though we we have some knowledge and you know some of us are professionals and that kind of stuff, we are still on a journey. So it's also very important to um, have a network of people that can support you on this journey as well. Uh, brilliant, absolutely, man. I definitely think a key thing for me is is that mindset. We talk on some of our episodes about having that eternal mindset in the sense that yes we we need to be in the moment and live in the now um but how can we balance that we're preparing for our future but even a future where we physically not here but our children and our generations are so how can we break cycles and chains from um you know whether it's our parents parents and stuff like that or build on what um our parents parents have been doing so yeah man how can we do that and just keep progressing and that mindset is the key thing as well and before i close on just a little final uh question as you know we do give a shout out um to areas within the world where we have um new listeners so jacks we're gonna give a shout out to santo domingo which is in the dominic dominican republic (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I think you might have done a better uh, job this time with your pronunciation. Yeah, um, <laughs> I agree, man. And I'm just going to say it that one time, but give oh a massive God. shout out to our listeners over in Santo Domingo. Mm, I mean, I've been to uh, Dominican Republic before, but um, I was over in Punta Cana um, a couple of years ago. I really loved the country. Um, so sunny, white beaches. I would love to definitely go and visit. Um, I, would, I would like to see what's, well, I can't pronounce it now. But <laughs> <laughs> I would like to um, go see what it's like. But welcome, welcome to Walk Finance. Um, I hope you are joining uh, the journey and, you know, whatever your journey looks like over in Dominican Republic, you can definitely transfer some of the things that we speak about um, there as well. So welcome. Welcome indeed, man. Thank you very much. We appreciate the support over there and all around the world. Um, as ever, keep doing what you normally do um, with sharing um, this content. But Jax, I'm going to close by asking you one question, man. What is one financial goal you have for 2022? Gosh, I remember you asked this question uh, in 2020. Um, and I said I wanted to buy uh, my home, my property, and that came to pass. So, you know, as you ask this, I really want to come up with something flamboyant. <laughs> <because> <laughs> but I, I must be really honest and say 2022 is a bit of an awkward year for me um, because there was a lot of um, expenses that can come my way that I'm not 100% sure of yet. Um, and so, Peter, what I would definitely love to do is to do this episode again. Maybe we'll do a specific episode on our financial goals mm. half year through the year as well. Um, so potentially in June, we'll do an episode on what we plan to do for, let's say, uh, the second half of the year. But I will go on air to say one of my financial goals is to continue investing, albeit not as aggressively as I was back in 2020 because of the financial commitments that I have now. But um, recall, I do have a portfolio that focuses purely on dividends. Um, it's one that I really enjoy. It's fun. Um, and I love growing this portfolio and seeing the returns and seeing those cash flow payments come into my portfolio. And so I want to go on air to say that I want to continue investing on in this portfolio which i manage on trading to one to this specific portfolio currently the most dividends i've ever received within one month was 75 000, sorry oh i was gonna say seventy five thousand. that's not true was 75 pounds <laughs> i want to be able to achieve 100 pounds per month in 100 dividends pounds. by 2023 so by the time we do this episode again Next year, I want to be confident in saying, hey, Peter, hey, World Finance listeners, I currently earn around £100 per month through dividends in my portfolio. Love it, which is completely uh, passive income. And for those of you that are wondering, what were you on about? Just £100 for what? Um, how hard or how easy is that? Do you check out our episodes on um, investing for income, particularly um, dividend income stocks as well? So that was yeah. a really useful episode. Yeah. I mean, you recall, I know some people might say, £100, that's not a lot of money. Remember, this is just the income element. Mm. What I do hope for is that the portfolio will continue growing in capital appreciation as well. But what I would say is it's 
harder to predict capital gains within a year mm. because essentially, you know, it's all about the money supply of the actual shares. But with dividends, these are raw cash flows. And it's easier to actually assess a company's um, history and ability to continue paying their dividends um, because dividends are paid per share and they're paid out of profits and income. So it's easy to predict. And, you know, in that portfolio, Peter would know, um, some of my friends would know that I play games when, with, with, with investing. And my aim is to grow this portfolio in the future to the next decade so I can actually use this portfolio to pay off my bills, right? Mm. So, you know, the reason why, uh, as we speak sometimes, when I get paid dividends, you know, when I first started and I was getting, let's say, £8 or £10 per month, I was like, hey, I can pay off my Netflix bill, Right? That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to because I don't plan to use my dividends for the next decade. But I like to play the game because it puts me in the right mindset. I like receiving those notifications saying, hey, in fact, I received one today as we are recording. Saying, hey, you've just been paid a dividend by this company. And so if I can get that to £100 per month and I'm only 30, 31, I think by the time I'm 40, things will be great <laughs> love it love it love it and I'm, I'm definitely in agreement and um, thanks for sharing that Jax. So i guess for me as well actually um i've spent i'll say maybe predominantly 2019 um 20 and 21 really just um building particular foundations when it comes to um different assets um i will continue building but as you know Jax, from for this year um, the theme for me is the year of simplicity. Um, so it's just continuing that theme of just keeping things simple and actually focusing more on um, savings for one or two short-term purchases that I'm going to be making um, ideally sort of 2023. Um, so that's, a, that's quite a, a, a bit of a, a focus for me. And also... Um, it's not, I wouldn't call it a smart goal, but you know how we speak about, you know, the three different ways of um, using your money. So one is um, saving slash investing. Um, one is giving your money and one is spending slash enjoying. Um, depending on where you are on your journey, you kind of, those ratios will sort of shift and change up. Right now, I guess this year is more on, I'm going to have a bit more of a priority on the um, enjoying part of it, actually. And when I say enjoying, I mean sort of experiences, um, things, memories, creating memories a bit more as well. Um, so yeah, that's sort of a goal or some goals for me this year in 2022, man. Yeah, I agree. Um... That even reminds me, yeah, I think the enjoyment part was something I mentioned in our accountability meeting, Peter. Mm. Um, I think it's extremely important, um, especially, well, for me, especially because I think over the past couple of years, I haven't been that intentional because of the pandemic and, you know, just being, uh, getting a bit comfortable with being indoors. Mm. Um, what I realized actually um, in 2021 is I had a bit more experiences and I enjoyed it. And so I'm with you on that one. Um, I'm definitely going to, well, I already have set up a plan to enjoy my money much more and have much more experiences. But making that a smart goal is something I don't need to do to actually put some sort of, maybe a number to it, mm. I think would be great. 
No, absolutely agreed, whether that's a number of different types of ex, um, experiences, etc. But no, nah, man, brilliant, man. Jax, man, it's been a great episode. In my opinion, listeners, if you agree, <laughs> do hit the like button wherever you're listening this to. Or as we would say, share it, man. But Jax, just a thank you again. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your input. Conversation's been great. Um, a massive shout out to all of our listeners listening. And remember all, stay woke. <laughs>